Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast. This is an election year. Will Donald Trump be re-elected? What is going on with the Democrats? And has America gone even more crazy? We'll be discussing all of these things and more, more than once a week, because we don't feel you have enough Americano in your life. And I have a special offer for Americano listeners. If you want to subscribe to the Spectator's US edition, which is brilliant, by the way, I edit it, you can go to www.spectator.us forward slash subscribe and take advantage of our special Americano offer. If you insert the code Americano in capital letters like Donald Trump on Twitter, you will get 5% off. Please do so. I'm joined today by Jacob Harbron, who is editor of The National Interest and a columnist for Spectator USA. And we're going to be talking about the Iowa caucuses, which uh, we finally have a result, sort of, and about Trump's very good week. Jacob, let's start off on the Democrats. It seems like Pete Buttigieg has won a squeaked victory in Iowa, which is a remarkable achievement, is it not, for a mayor from a little place called South Bend in Indiana? It definitely is. And it's, to me, reminiscent of Jimmy Carter in 1976, when he was the anti-establishment candidate and came out of nowhere the peanut farmer from Plains, Georgia, who captured the Democratic nomination and then went on to win the presidency itself, toppling Gerald Ford, who was sort of a caretaker president. It would be very different for Buttigieg to go up against Donald Trump. But there clearly is an impulse, also among older voters, to usher in generational change in American politics and not simply go to another baby boomer. But it is also the case that that Sanders is hanging tough. Yes. So, I mean, if Buttigieg is to carry on and become a serious candidate for the nomination, he needs to have a strong showing in New Hampshire. The signs are he is improving, and particularly with after this success in Iowa, he'll improve even more, but it looks very likely that Bernie will win New Hampshire. Is that not right? It would be surprising if if Sanders did not win New Hampshire, but Buttigieg can, a second place, strong second place showing would be very good for him. And also I should point out, Freddie, that there is a Democratic primary debate tonight that will last almost three hours, and that could end up having a significant effect on voters. And it has to be said that Buttigieg is extremely poised during these debates. He is extremely eloquent, and that's probably the reason he's done so well, is he, he speaks very well and he performs very well under pressure. But it, there is a sanctimonious aspect to it. My friend Sam Tannenhaus emailed me this morning and said, what's his vision? And he finds him a little plastic. So... It would be interesting to see if Buttigieg can actually emerge from this carapace of caution that he has constructed around himself. I saw someone saying he was the type of guy who used to practice his speeches at high school in the mirror. That sounds about right. And of course, he does have other aspects of his character that uh, might hold him back. He's a married man, uh, married to another man. He's, He's gay, which obviously is not as big an obstacle as it used to be. 
but nonetheless could hold him back in many ways. And there's been a lot of speculation that he polls very poorly with black voters because there is a lot of scepticism about homosexuality among black Americans. Well, you know, this raises a whole host of issues and it, you know, it it could well be a plus for him as well politically. It's just too difficult to know right now where this all ends up. And I'm not convinced that his difficulties so far in the black community are insuperable. What would happen, for example, if if he does capture the primary, it would be interesting to see who he appoints as his vice president. I still think it's it's an open book on him. And the interesting aspect is that he he's caught fire and that can become an infectious sort of enthusiasm for a candidate. Um, Andrew Sullivan, the uh, New York magazine writer, um, a British American, uh, said to me quite recently in London that Buttigieg um, is deemed to be not sufficiently gay by a lot of progressives. And it is true that he has quite a sort of straight persona. He he speaks about Christianity. He's not as militant about abortion as most as militantly pro-abortion as most Democratic candidates are. And sort of perhaps because he's gay, he can uh, get away with being less progressive than a lot of the other candidates feel they have to be. Well, I I don't think he's running as a progressive. I, I just don't think that's who he is. His whole persona, interestingly, is of the dedicated student. He does come across as the model United Nations student. And but that's been his strength. I mean, if Biden ends up dropping out of the race, Buttigieg will pick up whatever followers remained of Biden. For Biden, New Hampshire will be an interesting test. If he flops there, then his chances really do become a lot murkier. And I should also point out that you were talking about the African-American community earlier. It's not like Bernie Sanders has shown much, much strength there either. It's Biden who is relying on that constituency to try and pull out a slam dunk in South Carolina, which is supposed to be his firewall. However, Biden's campaign appears to be in free fall at the moment. He did not go out on the hustings in New Hampshire today. Instead, he's meeting with his staff, which is in turmoil. Well, I mean, I defer to your greater knowledge um, in all things, Jacob, but I do think that I'll pick you up on two points there. I mean, firstly, I think the polls suggest that Biden voters' second choice is Bernie Sanders. And also, Bernie Sanders is seems to be performing better. Polls suggest that he's performing better, uh, slightly better among blacks and much better among Hispanics. And his campaign has had has gone to great lengths to try and sort of do a minority outreach program, which seems to be working at the moment. I mean, what do you say to that? I would say, Freddie, I would never say that knowledge is tantamount to wisdom, which is why I always defer to your wise observations. You may well be right. I mean, I think the race is pretty fluid, and that's why I've been somewhat cautious about making ultimate predictions here. It will be very interesting to see if... uh, 
there can be a resurrection of the Biden campaign. Somebody that isn't really being talked about, but did actually do better than some people expected is, is Elizabeth Warren, who is by no means out of the race. And I think a lot of people thought that sort of people who might vote for Warren would also vote for Buttigieg. So it's sort of surprising that they both did okay. I mean, sorry, Buttigieg did very well, but Warren did okay in Iowa. Yeah. And for all we know, Warren makes a comeback in in New Hampshire. I mean, the thing about these races is you don't actually know what's happening until people have voted. The the elections seem to be much more mercurial nowadays than they have in the past. I mean, people were not expecting Buttigieg to, to perform so well in Iowa. Yeah. Let's move on to Trump, who calls Buttigieg Alfred E. Newman. And if it were to be... He Buttig- said Alfred E. Newman will not be president. He said Alfred E. Well, because if it if it does if it does end up being Buttigieg, I don't think it will. But if it does end up being Buttigieg versus Trump, that's quite an incredible contrast, isn't it? It would be amazing. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about his week because lots of people have said uh, that this has been Trump's best ever week, and indeed, it's hard to argue with. I'd say. I mean, his job approval rating has hit forty nine percent. He had a State of the Union address where he pointed to all his achievements, and you can argue about whether. He's right to do that or not. But um, the fact is, it sounded pretty convincing. He was acquitted and impeachment seems to have backfired rather badly on the Democrats. And of course, Iowa, the Iowa shambles also suggests that the Democrats are pretty incompetent and can't really challenge him very effectively. What do you say to that? I say it's too early to tell. Trump's State of the Union speech was lacrimose drivel. The real State of the Union came at the White House yesterday, where he was able to ventilate his views at length about what he perceives as the nonstop persecution of his campaign and presidency by the media, liberal left, and Congress, which in a sense are all one and the same in his eyes, antagonists who uh, are on the left. And I think we're going to see an increasingly vindictive uh, Trump. And I wonder if he's reached his high point. Maybe not. But if he goes on to a scorched earth campaign, I just can't help thinking that that will not redound to his benefit, that he would be better off at this point running a... Reagan-style 1984 campaign that it's morning again in America. But that's clearly not what he's going to do. It's, it, will be some, it will be like Sherman marching on Atlanta. I mean, he is out to punish his enemies. I thought the, the remarks he gave to Republicans yesterday were fascinating because to me they suggested that Trump always rebels whenever he seems to be being a, you know, upstanding and you could almost say approaching a, the, the role of a conventional president. And whenever people are sort of starting to say he's settling into the role and all that kind of thing, which they were doing after State of the Union, he rebels against it. And I think this is to do with, you know, Steve Bannon used to tell him uh, that being dark was good. And I think maybe he, he always thinks that and he doesn't want to be a president in any conventional sense. That's true. I also think that he is what a Washington Post columnist called a sore loser, 
So he's just plain angry at what he's had to endure, even if most of it was self-inflicted. And he also wants to win on his own terms. He seems to have this weirdly self-destructive impulse whenever things are going well, like the Mueller, when the Mueller investigation came out and proved to be a damp squib, what did Trump do? He's, he you know, tries to muscle over the Ukrainian president. So there is something psychologically peculiar about Trump, even more peculiar than just his eccentricities. He needs to win in his own fashion. And that's really actually totally unnecessary. Well, I think it might be the the reality TV host in him he, that he realizes that in a democracy, the, the the demos, the people need to be entertained, and uh, he needs to keep them guessing. It's it, it, he doesn't want to be sort of far ahead in the polls. He doesn't want to be the absolute favorite to win this election. He wants to keep people surprised and entertained all the time. Right. Another aspect of it that occurs to me is that he wants to have reality conform to his own wishes. I mean, he is something of a con man. And the meeting at the White House yesterday, he forced the assembled Republicans to essentially bend their knees and avow their faithfulness to him, even as he spewed a variety of fanciful claims. So it is... And to that extent, it is about dominance. And he has managed to crush the Republican Party. Any opposition to him is purely vestigial, as you see with Mitt Romney, who's a monument from the old Republican establishment. But meanwhile, the rest of the party has fixed its gaze upon a new idol, which is Donald Trump. Let's talk about Mitt Romney, who, for listeners who don't know, was the only person to uh, vote to convict Trump on one of his impeachment charges. I mean, he's being hailed as an upstanding man, someone who sticks by his principles, you know, a good politician in a party of bad apples. I think a lot of that sounds like Kant to me, and that Romney has, in fact, not always stuck to his principles. What do you think? I think if you're a loyal Trumpist, you're going to say that Mitt Romney is a gutter snipe. Yeah. Who has uh, stabbed the president in the back. Well, but I don't think, you, I don't think you even have to be a Trumpist, do you? I mean, because, you know, the fact is, uh, if, if Trump had been more accommodating to Romney in the first phase of his presidency, Romney wouldn't be so against him now. Maybe. I think Romney actually... However, however you interpret his his remarks, they, they struck me as as pretty coming pretty much from the heart. And he is at, at in essence, he is the de facto leader of the never Trump movement. It's not a role that he sought or that he's consistently been willing to assume, but that is at bottom, I think, who Mitt Romney is. He's an establishment Republican. He never cottoned to the conservative wing of the, of the GOP, even though he pretended by calling himself severely conservative at a CPAC convention. So now you're seeing the real Romney emerge. He's a throwback to the older Republican traditions. But 
the moderates have, you know, as same as as occurred in the Tory party, you've you've driven all the wets out. Well, certainly the base doesn't seem to warm to the never Trump faction. I mean, in Iowa this week, Trump won by a, a huge majority, and he consistently polls at about ninety five plus percent among Republicans. I mean, the cliche is it's the party of Trump now. That's indisputable, isn't it? I don't think anyone is disputing it. The most you could say is that the party has gone to pot, party of Trump. Yes. Or, but, I mean, if you're saying that Mott Romney is the de facto leader of the Never Trump faction, I mean, it's not, he's not really going to go anywhere with that faction, is he? No, he's not. He's, he had his eye books on, the, on history, and it actually worked to his benefit to be the lone Republican to stand up against Trump because it makes his behavior look more exceptional. Yes. And so who do you think Trump would most like to face and who would he least like to face of the various Democratic candidates? I think he clearly thinks that Bernie Sanders would be the easiest to defeat because he can wrap the socialism mantle around the neck of the entire Democratic Party. Now, whether that is in fact true or not is another question. You have commentators like Jonathan Chait from New York Magazine arguing that a Sanders candidacy would be a calamity for the Democrats, maybe even worse than George McGovern running against Richard Nixon in 1972. The flip side, which I hear from some conservatives, is that they think that Sanders is the only Democrat who won't be perceived as an effete, Chablis-sipping liberal who is antithetical to the values of the blue-collar workers in the Midwest. So, and Ross Douthat had a piece saying that Sanders could be the new Reagan, you know, transforming the, the Democratic Party. We're in completely uncharted water. So, to be honest, I simply don't know, Freddie. And Trump, the only thing that we really know about Trump and what, what he thinks about Sanders is what he said in that leaked Parnas transcript uh, of his dinner with various donors, uh, in which he said he was most worried about Hillary Clinton choosing Sanders as her vice president uh, because he's very good on trade, as he put it. And so Trump, for all his buffoonery, does understand that sticking up for American workers on trade is a key vote winner in the key swing states. Yes, but the the GOP tacticians are licking their chops at the thought of a Bernie Sanders candidacy. Just the same way the Democratic strategists were licking their chops at the prospect of a Trump candidacy in 2016. <laughs> Look how well that worked out. Exactly. I mean, could you perhaps explain a bit to uh, for our British listeners? Because, I mean, we find it very hard to understand why socialism is still to- such a toxic word in America. And it seems to me more recently that it's not such a toxic word in America. I mean, people are beginning to embrace the idea of socialism in a way that they haven't perhaps before. No, I disagree. Socialism be- before World War Two. There was a socialist party and you had Norman Thomas and running against Woodrow Wilson for the presidency. So 
there was a socialist movement. It's just never gone anywhere in the United States. It's revived because of wealth inequality today, but socialism has always been seen as equivalent to Bolshevism in the United States. And we've never had something resembling the, the Labor Party in the U.S. that, that uh, represented those sentiments. And the, and the greatest fear among Democrats today is that Bernie Sanders would be a new Jeremy Corbyn. I don't think socialism is going to sell for Bernie Sanders. I think, if anything, that label could be a, an impediment to his winning the election. Well, Jacob, I think we'll wrap it up there. But thank you very much for talking to us again and uh, speak soon, I hope. Thank you, Freddie. You were quite mild with me today. (laughs) 